You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, today's podcast topic is about taming the savage beast, teenagers. Dun, dun, dun. And, and also maybe probably young adults can be included in this discussion. And I'm saying savage beast sort of tongue in cheek because that 12 to 18 year old age range so often gets a bad rap. I really don't think there's any other segment of the population that we feel free to pile on like we do teenagers. And really, that's not quite fair. I, I had some great teenagers. Yeah, I, I don't like the cultural narrative about how teens are mm -hmm. at all. It I think you're you're setting them up to be just like you're telling them they are. Yeah. You know? I agree. And it doesn't necessarily have to play out that way. Mm -mm. In many cases, it doesn't. And you can have a great time with mm -hmm. your teenagers. They're fascinating. They're funny. They're smart. They know all this stuff that you don't, and they're fun to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. They they really are. And that, that was... Um, my experience, but we know that's not the case for everyone. And certainly there's ups and downs, no matter what, if you have a good experience, difficult experience in between. Um, it can literally be as stark as one day to the next. <laughs> yes. With a teenager. Yeah. And that's because, um, well, one of the cardinal rules in psychology is that change equals stress. Mm -hmm. So even good change. And we know that. So something that youth ministers and middle and high school teachers know, if you put a 12-year-old next to an 18-year-old, you're not even looking at the same species. Mm -hmm. They are so different. And we knew that the second our kids went into the youth group at our church, mm -hmm. and they're in there with seniors, you know, and they're just these little sixth, seventh graders. They look like babies. It's like kindergarten to sixth grade, yeah, really. Yeah, it's a whole nother yeah. population. There's so much change in that six to seven year old, seven year span that we know it's going to be incredibly stressful for the kid living through it and the parents watching it happen, not to mention the siblings and whoever else happens to be in the household. Yeah. So hopefully you have stretched the muscle with your elementary age and junior high child about um, dealing with stress because that is a muscle that, you know, we get greater capacity mm. when we don't get rescued um, from difficult situations, our capacity to handle stress grows. That's right. And so, you know, if you're a mom who's listening, who has children in that age, consider that. Um, and then if you haven't done that, well, let's just talk through kind of what's going on and, and what you can do. So we know that, you know, your sweet, snuggly preteen who laughs at your jokes and would love for you to ride bikes with him or her wakes up one morning and is annoyed by everything you do and speaks in single syllables. That's right. That happens. We hear that a lot. Yeah. It just, it's like an overnight transformation, Jekyll and Hyde kind mm -hmm. of thing. And that's mm -hmm. really hard as a parent, as a mom to react to. You're going to take that personally. Yeah. And so you just need some discernment. Because right. maybe, you know, maybe it does need correction. Maybe it is just developmental. And you found this cool book. Tell, tell our listeners about this book. Right. You found. So Lisa Damore, she's an author and clinical psychologist. She's had years and years of experience with teenagers and tweens. She's got this great book out right now called The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. And her material is really, really helpful. Um, and we're going to be drawing on that for this episode. 
Yeah. Cool. 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 So what is happening when, when children are moving into the teenage years? Because psychologists have always marked the onset of adolescence at age 11. Puberty is underway by that point, but not always visibly. And there's evidence now that um, by the 2000s, 18% of white girls, 31% of Hispanic girls, and 43% of black girls had started onset of puberty by age eight. Eight. Yeah. What? So that's third grade, meaning like around fifth grade, they're getting their periods. Uh, It's a lot earlier than we might expect, and we might be shocked by that. Um, But so if you're if you know that puberty is like starting under the surface there and you're not seeing necessarily all the obvious signs, mm-hmm. you are getting some brain changes in there. You're getting um, risk-taking and a flood of hormones that you're not seeing that it's going to affect behavior, whether you know it or not. Wow. So all of a sudden when your eight or nine-year-old gets a little touchy or a little testy mm. or wants to slam the door or be in her room by herself, it's probably puberty is mm. starting to happen. It does change the brain. It changes the balance of power in the brain. But it is natural and inevitable. I mean, this has been happening throughout human history, Mm -hmm. right? Um, This separation and individuation needs to happen. And it actually doesn't have anything to do with you as a parent in terms of, you know, if you're a better parent, your child will not have puberty <laughs> no I mean it just yeah, happens. doesn't work just like way. your child goes through that two to three year old stage where they really you know are exerting their individual preferences yeah. and you know no is the is the common word that you're not a bad parent just because your child is doing that that's developmental right and so is this and we often compare that the toddler and teen mm-hmm. stage it's very similar in terms of rapid brain development limit testing, risk taking, mm-hmm. exploration, all the mm-hmm. things. It's mm-hmm. like you said, just another stage of development it has nothing to do with you. So what do we do, Bonnie? Well, if you can flag your emotions for a minute and step back with awareness of everything that we just said, it's just a change in physiology. Um, if you can do that about 20% of the time, Demore says you're killing it. So that's wow. good. That's good news because it's really hard day in and day out to not get offended and insulted and, and all the things when you oh have kind of a goodness. gruff younger teen in your house. So 20% of the time, if you can just sort of step back and be like, okay, this is not my fault. You right. Know, nothing I did. I, you know, that just th- throws the my normal kind of gauge out the window because I'm thinking up seven or eight times out of 10, if I'm doing something, that's what it means I'm characterized by it. Mm. So you know, is it unreasonable to think you would start at 20% and then grow to be characterized by not being triggered by your teens? No, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that's, I think you that's just, pretty you're learning like, like every other stage of life. Exactly. And that's a great point. You know, chances are you've never had a teenager before. You've never raised a tween or a 12 year old or a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. So it's just as new for you as it is for them. Uh, and I think that's helpful to just flat out tell them. Yeah. Be honest. They can, they have a, <laughs> a meter, a radar for dishonesty anyway. So mm-hmm. if you can just say, hey, look, this is, this is our first time through this as well. Mm-hmm. We're just trying our best. Yeah. Yeah. Let's That's, everybody give everybody some slack some, and yeah. some grace. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. So 
Yeah, it can be really painful for parents and it can be a really isolating time for parents. And I don't know that we expect that. Um, I, I was pondering this uh, when you wrote this outline, Bonnie, and I made this point because I didn't, if you had asked me, do you feel isolated? And really only I would have answered in terms of homeschooling, I felt isolated mm-hmm. because we were North, at North Boulevard and almost no one homeschooled. I think there were two homeschool families in a church of 2000 people. Mm-hmm. But I think it was more isolating than that. So even like I just, I wasn't talking to other moms about stuff that was going on with your with kids, our kids issues you were having like we did mm-hmm. you know like we did at other seasons of life like um preschool play dates where we're discussing potty training right because you're going from this which is another shift in your parenting stage you're going from this really a group where you can you're discussing intimate details of your children's development their life their you know how many times they mm-hmm. peed that day mm-hmm. with your friends and, and nobody thinks anything stage. of it. Yes. So you're going from that to, oh, well, now if I discuss this issue that's come up with my 13, 14-year-old, that's kind of violating their privacy. Yeah. And it, and that's not un- untrue. I mean, it can be. Mm-hmm. So you, I guess you got to decide, like, who is my vault person? Who is my person I can... Yeah, because you it, you don't want to violate their privacy. I mean, we mm-hmm. talk about this just doing this podcast. We don't want to like we want to use our personal examples, but I don't want to just lay my kids' whole childhood yeah out there. I want right. to respect them. And for some of these topics, we've gotten our kids' permission before we mm-hmm. have said anything about yeah. it. But back then, if I had said we've got some big struggle going on in my house, and I if I had asked one of my teenagers, mm-hmm. "Hey, can I go talk about this with my best friend?" No, no way. Yeah. Uh-uh. No way. This doesn't leave the house. This is nobody else's business. Yeah. And if you're going to talk about stuff with other people, I'm not telling you stuff anymore. Right. And you don't want that above all. No. You want communication open, as open as possible. So, yeah, there's a little bit of, um, I mean, I had one or two times where, yeah, I was kind of in a pickle and didn't know what to do next. I did tell a friend stuff and it got back to the daughter of the friend. And then that was the end of that. Oh, and shoot. You just. You're gambling, I guess, with your kids' mm-hmm. um, privacy a little bit when they're getting in those older stages. Yeah. So therefore, you don't talk about it with people. Mm-hmm. And I think teenage parents just feel this, gosh, all this stuff's going on in my house, but I can't say mm-hmm. that it is. And mm-hmm. everyone else thinks it's all great. And then you feel even more alone. So it's a tough time as a parent. It is. It is. I guess we don't have an answer for our listeners except to... Be cultivating that relationship with your spouse because we did. I know you leaned heavily on Bobby. I yep. leaned heavily on David. We we could we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a vault person, you know we moved around, so my vault person could be right. in North Carolina, in a separate place. They're not going to post. They're about not going to. Yeah, sure. It's not going to get back. So there's that kind of option. Just pray through that, and and if you really need help, we're not telling you no. Don't go get it, mm-hmm. but just use discretion when you're dealing with your kids' private lives. Well, and that holds true even within families because, Mm. I mean, say your kid does something really dumb and messes up, which they probably will at some point. I don't want to go tell, you know, my sisters or uncle or whatever Mm. because then their perception may be altered in the next get-together. Maybe they don't say anything about it, but I don't want their perception 
to be altered just because of one mistake. This so, is especially true the less hard. life you live with people. So I was talking to a mom um, in the last couple of weeks and she's a like our age mm-hmm. mom, a little bit older than us actually. And she, <laughs> when her grown children come to her and tell her the problems they're having in their marriage, she can't get past it because she's not there for when they get over it, get over it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and make things right. And I'm right. like, you have got to let that go or tell them to stop mm-hmm. because you're not there to see that they're doing fine. Yeah. And you, that's, a, that's the principle you're talking about with your family members right. and your teens. They're not there to see, oh, look how they're doing. They're yeah. doing so well. On any given any given week or month, your yeah. average is probably better than the one incident that you're yeah. freaking out about. So, so yeah. that would make sense that you'd want somebody who really knows and loves your child and sees them a lot mm-hmm. if you were going to share. I don't know. It's complicated, Bonnie. <laughs> it is. And there's no one size fits all. And every family's different. Uh-huh. And yeah, all of that. So. Yeah. Um, so I love this point that it's our job to love our kids. Um, but it's not our kids job to love us. I would just add that scripture tells us they are required to honor us, which is a little bit different than love. Because I talk about this a lot with my um, young women I disciple it's it's really hard when you're when you're grown and you are trying to um, have a relationship with a dysfunctional parent mm-hmm. and it's like no you don't want to except in the most extreme cases you really don't want to cut them off you want to have healthy boundaries and you are required to honor them and what that looks like is sometimes just in your thought life mm-hmm. and how you speak about them mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you're, you know, it's, it's God loved us and it's our choice to love him in return. He does not force it. I was kind of shocked by it. I thought I had to sit with it for a minute. Is that really true? Do our kids really not owe us anything? Do they really not owe us love? Because when we had our children, I mean, they love you with, everything they have mm-hmm. they you are their everything in their world and so you get this whatever it is eight nine ten years of that mm-hmm. and this wonderful great relationship and um dad's the superhero and mom can fix all the things mm-hmm. and it's great and then all of a sudden that changes or it can change and i realized i kept that expectation mm that's how the relationship mm-hmm. was supposed to always be and forever and ever. Amen. But they didn't sign up for that in all cases. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it will be that way, but mm-hmm. it's actually okay if it goes through some rocky times and you learn how to forgive and make up and get on the other side of things. Well, I mean, in a marriage statistics show that you are actually more happy on the backside of working through an issue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I would imagine that might be, it might be true for any relationship when friends get on the other side of an issue when parents yeah. and children get on the other side of an issue it can really be hey we we work that out we've got history together yeah it's it, you're forging these bonds um they were just i guess i was thinking if i'm really honest i guess i was thinking wow my children were very very gratifying that must be what they're here for mm. is to gratify me well, and satisfy all my longings and all that stuff. And that is not what they're here for. They're not here for me at all. Well, okay. But Jordan Peterson would say that 
you know, there's nobody in the world that's more predisposed to love you mm-hmm. than your own children. He's mm-hmm. like, why would you not capitalize on that? So it's, it is some of the most gratifying mm-hmm. um, work you can do in your life. And, and even children in foster care, you know, always want, almost always reunification with their parents, no matter how bad they are. So capitalize right. on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. It's, it's not perhaps the goal. I think it, it can be a great um, side benefit. Right. Well, I just think in the teen years, especially when things might be a little rough and rocky, that get sort of mixed up in the equation. Mm-hmm. And so we have put all of our eggs in their basket. Mm. And we have said, you are my world and my everything. And the reason I exist, and I carried you for nine months Mm -hmm. and sacrificed (laughs) all these things for you. Therefore, you have this expectation. And I think that's one reason why we get so hurt and why it's so painful. And this like separation and individuation, which is like you said, is supposed to happen. Um, It's supposed to happen. And that's too heavy of a burden to bear. You know, if you have really made them the center of your universe. I'm not saying you did, but I do, I am saying that that is our tendency to think it is right and good in the U S and in Asia. And they make, they literally orbit. I was cracking up in Beijing, the parents and grandparents orbiting the stroller. Yeah. Circling, literally just circling (laughs) like, like moons. Yeah. (laughs) So that's just too much. That's too much of a burden to bear. We, and so don't do that for our happiness. Don't do that. All on our kids' shoulders, which is why you have date nights and you know, other things that are not only your children, even though they take up a massive amount of time. Right. And I think that's the solution to this issue Mm -hmm. is that before they hit 11, 12 years old, it behooves you to have a great marriage mm-hmm. and some really good friends and some hobbies and some mm-hmm. outside interests. Like you better start mm-hmm. doing that earlier rather than later, especially before the empty nest hits when they are all gone anyway, mm-hmm. but right around this stage too, because like we said, it's isolating. It's tough. You need something for you. Mm-hmm. So we know that in the past few years after the pandemic, um, our teenagers have really taken a hit this time of life is supposed to be focusing on independence and friends and all of that was stripped away for a significant amount of the time that they got to be teenagers and they really did suffer. They did. And I don't know that we've seen all the ripple effects of all that. Yeah. Maybe we won't for some time, but, um, Damore says that our conversations around mental health, uh, are actually twofold. And I thought this was a good point. On the, on the one hand, it's great. We have more awareness. There's more attention that's being paid to it. We can talk about it. It's not like a hush-hush thing. But number two, we've incorrectly started equating mental health with feeling good and calm and relaxed and happy, which is not actually a great definition of mental health. So we are sort of telling ourselves and our kids, well, if you're not happy, there must be something wrong with you. Mm. And that is so not true. That distress and stress and unhappiness, periods of sadness are actually healthy and yeah, good and, for us. And to be expected. Yeah, normal. Mm-hmm. You are you suffer doubly when you are surprised by your suffering. Yeah. So just because you have a rotten day doesn't mean you have a mental health concern. Not everything is trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, distress and stress is how we grow and learn. So we've talked before about the dangers of being over-accommodating and 
actually creating anxiety and fragile kids. So yeah, that book anti-fragile mm-hmm. is really great. Right. Um, to, to blow this, this part out uh, and explain it more. So she's worked with a ton of kids and she says the ones that are the most resilient, the most mature and the most um, kind of deep philosophically are those who were allowed to suffer a little Mm -hmm. bit. Maybe they had a loss or maybe they got caught doing something they weren't Mm -hmm. supposed to do. And they actually had consequences that they didn't get rescued from. Mm -hmm. She says, those are the kids who do, they arrange their life. They organize their life in such a way that they don't have to experience that anymore, which is actually what we want. Oh gosh, I got caught cheating. I had these consequences at home, these consequences at school. It was rough and it was terrible. And I never want to feel that way again. Isn't that what, how life works? It should be. But my friend who's a assistant principal would say that the majority of parents in his school uh, are not that, they don't have that viewpoint at all. Yeah. That anyone in authority is the enemy. They want, they don't care about whatever consequences the school wants to impose and they won't follow through with them at home either. And so, well, that leaves society at a mm-hmm. big, uh, in a big danger, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it also leaves the kid in a really rotten place. Oh yeah. They're never going to know that they can actually navigate stuff. They're never going to yeah. have the confidence that I can take this criticism or this hit, which the working world will give you and come through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Knowing they can find their way through and function makes kids mature and confident. Kids feel like they can only proceed if they're in circumstances where they'll be comfortable or have a guaranteed positive outcome are restricted to very, very narrow paths in life. Yeah. Cause what do you know that goes that way all the hundred percent of the time? Yeah. Not much. I mean, this goes to temperament too. Kids who want to not fail, you know, and won't try the hard things, but yeah. So I think, um, one of the key things to know about this age kids is that you have to be the parent. Don't forget who you are and what your role is. You're not quite friends yet. You might have some awesome times together, but you're not always the parent who lets everybody drink at your house or lets everybody (laughs) smoke pot at your house because you're cool. You still have to keep those guardrails up, um, because there are some pretty high stakes. Yeah. The mistakes get the consequences of the mistakes are significantly more. Right. Your kids can derail. They're driving. They're, you know, alone. You know, a lot more, They sh- as they should be. Right. You know, have more autonomy, but woo. So yeah. our job at this age, I think, is to, um, it's, and it's a really hard one. It's a tough call to know when to step in mm-hmm. and put those guardrails in place and consequences in place. And when to just kind of let things play out Mm -hmm. with some minimal influence and guidance. That is so hard. Yeah. So we're not legalists here. Legalism is laziness because you don't have ever take context into account. It's just one rule and it's blanket across the, the, the board. But there is nothing you can do to guarantee your child's safety. And this can be terrifying. But as you've said before, Bonnie, we the only people who are monitors much as teenagers are um, the elderly and people in mental hospitals. Psych patients. Yeah. Prisoners. So it's not really awesome for you to be doing that, monitoring them the way you are. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't do that. 
just discern what you need to do. We did Life 360. This is a great example. We did Life 360 so we knew if they'd gotten to where they were going, but we put boundaries on it for ourselves too, that we weren't constantly tracking them. Yeah. Uh, because um, that can be, that can feel yuck and oppressive. Right. And, we, and I would say to myself, no, you're going to trust. No, yeah. You're going to trust yeah. this situation. Yeah. <sighs> so, when everything in you is like, I know, because guess what? Like, we all grew up without Life 360. nothing. You know, we said bye to our parents. We took off driving. Like, in college, we were like, we'll call you when we're there. Mm -hmm. Maybe, if we remember. If we, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's hours and hours and hours and hours, state to state. Uh And if we needed to talk, we would have to call from a payphone. Right. And it worked out. And it was, yeah. And it felt really cool. Do you remember that feeling? Oh, yeah. When you you took off by yourself? Like this. Yeah, complete independence and freedom and and a confidence. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. And and when you I mean just the just everything having having money in my pocket and going okay, well I've got to figure out how to make that money last. I've got to make smart cho- choices on the road trip to mm-hmm. be sure I can feed myself and have the gas I need and you know, I didn't my parents didn't get me a credit card so I could be sure I had gas and that was on me. It's really empowering. Yeah, it is. It is. And they can take on so much more of that kind of thing than yeah. we think they can. Yeah. So, yeah, give them a little bit, see if they can be trusted with it, then give them a little just, more. Yeah. And just keep letting those boundaries out a little bit more and more. Because we can't keep them safe. And there's no use trying in every single situation to put them in a bubble. We don't want to do that because you're, you're robbing them of that experience yeah. that you talked about. Yeah. And like you said before, fear is like the worst possible place to parent from it's terrible place to parent from I, I really like what she said in in light of this part of the conversation that the best thing we can do for our kids is to be a steady presence that's a good way to put it mm-hmm. a steady presence so you're there for them they know you're there for them they they have big acute emotions and they look to us for our reactions but if we don't take the bait we don't like you know, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh <laughs> word stirs up anger. Right. Proverbs 16, one, say it again and again and again. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's in there as a proverb because it is generally true. Yeah. And that's if they're being confrontational, but sometimes they'll have emotions about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with you. And maybe they failed a test or maybe their friendship was rocky mm-hmm. or the guy they liked didn't ask him out or whatever, name it. You know, they weren't mm-hmm. wearing the right shoes at school. It can mm-hmm. be anything. I remember being so angry that my hair in the 80s was not pre- behaving the way that I needed it to oh, behave. Oh, yeah. The bangs weren't working with the hairspray that we needed to have. <laughs> anyway, that had nothing to do with my parents. But boy, it meant every, it was life to me. Mm-hmm. I could not go to school, you know. And they knew enough to step back because I was number four by that time mm-hmm. and just be like, this too shall pass. Uh-huh. We're not going to engage every single big acute emotion. There's no, there's no need for it. It's yeah. usually short lived. Yeah. So that steady presence, um, if you can provide them warmth and structure, I heard a quote the other day that said people become what you think of them. Mm-hmm. So like, even if you're not opening your mouth and saying, you know, you are being a miserable human right now. Like, why are you destroying the vibe in the house? You, when you think things like that, it it matters. Mm. It matters. And so uh, if you can 
just, I would just tell myself, I love them right now. I don't like them. Mm -hmm. I love them, but I don't like them. And that's okay. I thought that wasn't okay for a long time. And, and I thought I had to like and love them at all times, but no, of course not. There's not, we all behave in ways that are not likable, Mm -hmm. but, um, but we're, we are always attached to one another in the family. And we're always lovable and always worthy. That never changes. And that needs to be stated. There's nothing you can do. Not one thing that would ever make me not love you. It's really Christ-like. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, um, what does Jesus say? Um, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, what good is it if you love those who love you? Anybody can do that. Yeah. Right. So when you're in anybody the face, can that, do that. I think that was written specifically for this age. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and it's so true. Like sometimes our family members do act like our enemies Mm -hmm. and we can, we can dig in. So one thing that um, Demora said, which I thought was actually kind of fascinating. We always used to, um, I would carpool as much as possible before they could drive so I could listen to the conversations in the car because somehow you just Mm -hmm. become invisible. But Um, she says a lot of times teenagers or kids this age will just neutrally float these little balloons just to see what your reaction is going to be, or maybe not even yours, but another adult. So she gave this example of this, um, girl who came in the office and she's like, yeah, my boyfriend has been staying over the past, you know, the past month he sleeps over at my house and she's a counselor. So she didn't like freak out or anything like that. It was just sort of this neutral balloon. And she said, Damore says, I took a breath and I said, really? Your parents are okay with that? And the teenager goes, yeah, I know. Can you believe that? Like she was trying to test, is this a normal Mm. situation? Mm -hmm. Is this something that really is okay? And when the adult comes back with honesty, like, wow, that's, that's kind of unusual. And are you okay with that? And maybe that's not so okay. Or maybe Mm -hmm. that's not in your best interest that that teenager will really perk up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they were fishing for. So don't just like everything they like. Don't Mm -hmm. be afraid to say, wow, that's, that's not really normal or that's not really how we should behave. Yeah. Because that is the, that is the nature of childhood is you, you are believing that the world works the way your home works. And, and the teenage years is just the beginning of you seeing like, wait a second, not every family operates the way my family operates. Mm. And yeah, and boundaries are definitely a form of love. And so, uh, yeah, my, I have examples too of things that I heard from um, our kids' friends that where they were wishing that their parents cared. Yeah. Enough to set Uh stricter boundaries. Yeah. I heard that a lot too. They would never admit it. Don't be afraid. They would never admit it to their parents. To their parents. Yeah. To, to uh, my kids, they did. Yeah. Yeah. But so don't be afraid parents. to take that role and set those boundaries mm-hmm. be the guardrail. So there's a whole range, of course, in teenagers, but generally you're going to either have an adolescent who kind of explodes and has these great highs and lows and expresses everything, wants to talk about every situation and conversation, or you have a quiet kind who may just sort of go to the room and not talk to you at all. It's okay. Both are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just who they are. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, you've got to adapt. 
So if you, you know, want to know about every single detail of your child's life and they're a quiet type, continually asking is not going to be like the best (laughs) tact for that. Um, You don't necessarily need to express every feeling or annoyance, but you probably do need to express some and you don't necessarily need to stuff down every emotion, but you need to express some. So how that gets done will vary from kid to kid. Uh, you can really help here. I was talking to a mom recently who um, requi- re- who requires her three boys to every morning, well, the mom and the dad both, because they all do it. They have to do um, body, soul, and spirit work every day when they get up. So they're they choose their physical activity Mm -hmm. and they have to go do it and they um, choose uh, what to study from scripture and the parents really direct them in that quite a bit. And then something that they're working on learning. Okay. Just for their mind. And I'm like, that's so cool. And she's got the, you know, the, this age that we're talking about and that I really think that learning to move your body Mm -hmm. can really help with this emotional regulation in teenagers yeah, there's some kids that just want to, I mean, go play tennis. I got to go play mm-hmm. tennis or pickleball or spike ball or whatever mm-hmm. it is and let that out. Or some kids are more, I mean, music is huge at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had a probably a sad playlist, right? I did. Oh, I, no. <laughs> you know, that's not my personality at all. Okay, maybe you had a pump up. Yeah. Right? A pump up playlist. Everybody, every kid has that or yeah. knows. I can go to this song and it's going to make me cry. Or I can go to this song and I'm ready to get out and, and party. So music is so important and they can use that for emotional regulation or to help them through. Okay, let me just cry, get it over with, and then I'm fine. Yeah. And all music is not created equal. No, Can we it's just not. say that, you know, use use judgment for that. Um, you've talked about um, in this in this area, reading a good book, like getting lost in a good book. Just That's just a great distraction. Um, or maybe taking a long, hot shower. Um, there's lots of different things. Know your child, right? Know what, what they might be inclined to want to do. So you're going to want to have some talking and, and it's okay to have some isolation, but if they're going to either extreme Mm -hmm. at all times where either they're holding the whole house hostage and hijacking the mood all the time because of their explosions Mm -hmm. or there's no communication and complete isolation, that's when you want to be concerned. Mm-hmm. So you're just sort of pulling them out towards the middle on both of those extremes, which I thought was really good advice. I know that um, my my aunt and uncle, who I really admired, and we we copied a lot of their parenting um, through the years, would just, when she knew one of her daughters was having a really hard, they just moved and she was having a hard high school experience because, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that come with moving and, and those awkward high school years, they would just go for long walks. Yeah. Just shoulder to shoulder in the afternoon, long walks, because, you know, exercise was a value that they had anyway. And it and the mom just did it with her mm-hmm. and they didn't necessarily have to talk the whole time or anything like that. But it's a great, a great way to just spend time together, you know, just, go do it with them. That's saying without saying I'm available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're not looking at each other in the eye or shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Something comes um, up great. If it doesn't, yeah. that's okay too. But you're right. Like like holding the family hostage based on your emotions. We we considered that um, a skill to be learned to not hold the family hostage, mm-hmm. hostage by your emotions. So you had to learn how to process them so that you didn't hijack the mood yeah. of the house. Right. So when we said here on, on this podcast before, emotions are okay. Mm-hmm. They're just 
indicators of other things. So you come home from a failed test and you're mad at yourself and your parents told you to study and you didn't, you know, you're going to get in trouble and you know, all the stuff you just, ugh, you, and you just vomit that all over the house. Um, you kick the dog and yell at your brother and slam the door and all that stuff. So as a parent, let it sit there for a minute. Don't engage right in the moment. You're just going to get more of it. And then you're going to come back later. Okay. Look, I get that you're upset about that. Mm -hmm. Totally fine to be upset about that. Maybe you're even justified about being upset about that. What you can't do is hurt other people or yourself. You can't, mm -hmm. there can't be a cost to your emotion. So how yeah. would that have worked out better? And so you have to talk through, um, emotion is fine. Costs to emotion is not. So that's how you learn anger management. That's how mm -hmm. you learn. Yeah. Not holding everybody hostage because you happen to be upset. And, you know, this, this will play out in their adult life if you don't help them, you know, learn. Oh, absolutely. Men will be angry and mm -hmm. come in and be a lot of times they'll be angry and women will be depressed and sulky and sad and suck the air out of their room. And I despise, mm -hmm. I despise that. I just cannot stand when people do that. You just have to, it, oh. it's, it's an attention you know, they need yeah. that attention. And I am like, Ooh, yeah. I just, I recoil from it. Now I'm not saying like family is where you should be able to. Yeah. And so certainly you want to cultivate that in your family, but yeah, just emotional regulation in general, you gotta, you gotta learn to do it in yeah. the workplace in your, even in your relationships at home, you know, as we're saying, it's not fair. So maybe this goes without saying, or maybe it doesn't cause I'm going to say it, but if you're not doing this or you don't know how to do this yourself, your kid's not going to learn how to do it. Nope. They're going to do what you do. Mm -hmm. So before they get to age eight, you've got eight years mm -hmm. to work on your anger management. You've got eight years to work on your sulkiness and your weepiness <laughs> and your, oh, woe is me. Somebody uh -huh. come and draw me out. Ways and patterns of being. Mm -hmm. We set the tone of the home. You know, we parents really do set the tone of the home. Set a tone of joy, mm -hmm. you know. Set a tone of learning to work through all the big feelings. So when do you, when do we actually need to worry? A lot of this is just par for the course and you think, oh no, this is terrible. My no, really it's just garden variety, teenage behavior. You shouldn't worry about every single blow up and every single issue, mm -hmm. but when should you worry? Well, for sure, substances, alcohol, marijuana mm -hmm. is very popular these days. THC and the, you know, different forms, gummies and things like yeah. that. And then the stronger drugs, of course. Anytime you're using a substance to manage your emotions, that's problematic. Right. It's just a shortcut to get where you want to go. And it will work for a while. That's yeah. why people well, do it's effective. it. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not, it doesn't wear well long term. So for sure, if they're doing, if they're using substances, that's not, that's not good. Right. So emotions are okay. Let's talk about them. Mm -hmm. What are you feeling? And you know, it's okay to feel that way. There's mm -hmm. nothing, nothing wrong with you that you feel that way. It's okay. That kind of discussion mm -hmm. or counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say also chronic distraction. Everybody's going to be distracted. Everybody's going to use technology unless you're waiting until the end of high school to introduce that, which, which you should, if you are, <laughs> you're, you get an A plus. Yeah. Um, but hours and hours and hours of video games is too much. Mm -hmm. And that's sinking into a place where you're just numbing. Mm-hmm. So if you're that emotionally avoidant and that distracted, it's, if it's costing them in other areas, if their grades are going down and they're, they're not having relationships with other people 
or with their family. Do they get really angry when you take it away? Yeah. All of that is a cost. Mm -hmm. So look for if this behavior is costing them in other areas. That's when you need to be concerned. Yep. And just in general, girls will collapse in on themselves under lots of stress and boys will act out. That's not always true, but those are the two extremes. Um, and then there's just the low hanging fruit. Look at what they're eating. How This is what we do with little kids. What are they eating? How are they sleeping? Are they moving their bodies? Uh, Damore says she focuses first on sleep before anything else. Yeah. You know, since the pandemic, there. And the mental health crisis has risen. It's really hard to get in sometimes to a counselor. And she will say, not that it's going to necessarily cure it, but that's something parents can do at home pretty easily. So if you're having to wait before you get to a counselor, let's let's work on our sleep at home. Mm-hmm. And maybe by the time they get to the counselor, they're actually at a place where they're clear-headed and they can function and speak. Make them get outside mm-hmm. and make them get enough sleep. Yeah. It's really two really big things. Um, also, some kids won't want to talk when parents want to talk, but they might do it at night. When their energy's lower, they might text, make room for this. Everything stops when they start opening their private world, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So your best time is after school mm-hmm. when you're peppering them with all the questions. And that's the exact opposite. Their best time is right around 10, 11 o'clock at night when you are done. Mm-hmm. And they might just pop their head in and float one of those neutral balloons. Hey mom, this happened at school today. What do you you think about that? Do not roll over and say, let's talk about it in the morning. Mm -hmm. You just got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You just got to do it. And that's kind of uh, sneaky for them because they're setting the time for the conversation. They're setting the time for when it ends. They're they're setting the agenda. So it gives them a little bit of power, Mm -hmm. which I think is, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also don't compare them with, you know, well, Bridget's son, you know, he got into Yale <sighs> or, or Mary's brother made the lacrosse team. And, and, you know, if you tried a little harder, you probably could have done that. Or your brother, well, your brother doesn't have that behavior. Don't compare them. They hate that worse than anything. Yeah. Yuck. 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 How, I mean, how would you like it? Not at all. Ugh. No. Um, this is a great one. Uh, it, it works in all kinds of settings, including the classroom. David and I do this a lot. Tell me more about that is a great phrase to use with your teenager. Or that's not like you. What do you make of that? Um, talk to the mature side rather than the risky emotional side. Listen, I did this to myself. Mm. Like, why did you, why, do you, why are you having these feelings? Where do you think that's coming from? Mm-hmm. And then just wait and listen see what happens yeah make space it's okay if you have to wait a long time to hear the answer (laughs) don't give up that's good Mm -hmm. that's so good so and in the end just remember all things considered this is pretty short-lived i mean it's six years it's a it's a hard can be a hard six years to live through but it's pretty short-lived and the single most powerful force for adolescent mental health is strong relationships with adults so meet them where they are let them know they're safe let them know you're steady and it doesn't necessarily have to be you as an adult. It can be your best, your best friend, you Absolutely. know, uh, their best friend's parents or some other adult, a coach, a teacher, a mentor, yes. a grandparent, just other interested adults who think they're pretty cool. We, I've said it before. I'll just say it again. We made up excuses for those, those other adults to be with our children, different kinds of lessons or, mm-hmm. you know, encourage them to call and go have coffee with people. Uh, it was, it was really beneficial because they're, you know, 
one size does not fit all. We don't, David and I didn't have the complete personality profile, you know, per- perfectly well rounded. Right. There were people who could add in with people we admired, mm-hmm. could add enrichment to our kids' lives. I'll definitely do that. And then just a word about social media. I know we've had a couple podcasts, more than a couple, more than a couple, but that's because we think it's so important. Um, that it is algorithm driven. If you listen to our podcast with Doug Smith, um, he talks about behind the veil of social media and that they're actually wanting you and doing things psychologically to you to make you look at it more. Mm -hmm. So they get more of what they're searching for, even if they search for it just a little bit. So during the pandemic, we saw um, you had nothing else to do. A lot of us were on our devices. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I've got time on my hands. Let's search for fitness or healthy diet or whatever like that. And then more and more and more, it's, it's, um, influencers on diet and exercise and weight loss and all of that. And no coincidence during the pandemic, eating disorders went out the roof Mm -hmm. for certain age, teenage girls. Mm -hmm. So search for a little, and you're going to get a lot search for a little of questions about gender. You're going to get a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and so much so that it becomes normalized and they think, oh, everybody is dieting. Everybody is deciding their gender. Everyone is deciding, you know, whatever it is. So, and it's not normal. It's just what they're feeding you. Yeah. They, these developers, social media developers, app developers, they have one goal. That is to keep you on there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And listen to that podcast with Doug Smith. They are rewiring your brain your teen's brain. I was at a store the other day, Bonnie, after having done that interview with Doug Smith, and I watched this delightful little, maybe four-year-old mm-hmm. girl trying to engage her mom in conversation. The mom never looked up from her phone. It was one, it was like a, what we're describing teenagers, one syllable answers. Yep. She was scowling and scrolling. And I thought, she has no idea, you know, it's, it's big tobacco for our time. Right. They are, they know what they're doing. Not only is that teaching the child a behavior that this, this is how I shall be too, but also it's teaching the child their importance and priority. Oh yeah. It is a way bigger, more devastating statement. Oh, I got mad and sad and then literally sick to my stomach. I, I felt this just oh, multiply that by millions, and that's what's happening. I get it. Ju- I, like jump off the crazy train, moms. Totally jump off. It. Yep. It's not. It's not neutral. It. It's. Da- it's meth. It is really, really hard. A, a little bit of meth is okay, right, Bonnie? <laughs> yeah. It's just a little. <laughs> just a little. I didn't uh, I know it's so 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 hard to track and monitor all this stuff. Delay, delay mm-hmm. until they're saying now the end of high school. Delay, delay, Which delay. Which sounds probably crazy, but it's not crazy. There's more and more celebrities, parents of um, tech developers, things like that. Others are now starting to unite to come together and delay this until after high school. So just give them a phone. If they want to have a device, give them a phone with calling and text. You don't have to hand her over the whole thing Mm-mm. with all the apps and all the internet access and all of that. Um, and I'm going to do a plug for this Kate Winslet movie that's out on HBO Max called I Am Ruth which dramatizes a parent and a teenager in the middle of all this um, social media stuff. It's really, really good. It would be really good to watch with your kids. So is the social dilemma to watch with your teenagers. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so get them busy with other stuff. There's so much better stuff they can do out there than being on their phone. Mm-hmm. And you too. Yeah, so. get them together with other people. Be the mom that gets them together. Mm-hmm. Throws all the phones in the basket when they get there. And yeah, and just have have a pool party. Have yeah. fun, do something interesting. Yeah. And if you're not a parent or a parent of a teen, you can help the greater good here. You can be one of those really interested, steady voices in a teenager's life. For sure, you can. Be the great aunt or the uncle, the interested neighbor, the coach, the teacher, speaking to their lives, sometimes for this little brief season more than their parents can. Yeah, do that. Don't discount your worth and your influence, for sure. Okay, well, we're going to have all these resources on our website at justaskyourmom.com. Please take five seconds to rate and review the podcast. It just helps people find it and on whatever platform you listen to us and share us with your friends and family. Yeah, and send us your topic suggestions to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.